In this great universe of ours, man is a mere insect, an ant in his intellect, compared to the boundless world around him, as measured by an intelligence capable of grasping the whole of truth and knowledge. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. He exists as certainly as love and generosity exist. And you know that they abound and give to your life its highest beauty and joy. Alas, how dreary would be the world if there were no Santa Claus. It would be as dreary as if there were no Virginias. the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Hannah. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. Hey, Hannah. Hey. That was, that's, that was pretty upbeat. Yeah. Hey. Always critique the enthusiasm with how Hannah is. Hey, hey, goes. So I assume you're enjoying the Christmas season. Uh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, Disney plus ran a deal and I asked for it for Christmas, but because they ran a black Friday, cyber Monday deal, I got it early. So that's fun. And also <laughs> actually you're actually by reporting this podcast, you're keeping me from decorating my tree. Cause those were my oh. plants. Uh, but I'll do it later. It's fine. <laughs> I, I was going to put the tree today, but I didn't. Or actually, I'm sorry. Um, this is probably coming out in the future. So the tree is up and beautiful. Yeah. I mean, wait, wait, wait. Do you have an artificial tree? Yeah, I have an artificial tree. I, I, oh, I, Mav. I, no. Oh, I wonder. If we, do we need to do a whole show on Christmas trees? So I, I have. I have very specific feelings. Oh, about Christmas trees. tree. <laughs> oh, Christmas tree. <laughs> 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 no, so, so I, I've had live Christmas trees before. You know, I was born in the seventies when they just you. Know, lots of people had live Christmas trees, mm-hmm. and then people got fake Christmas trees, and I had fake Christmas trees for years, and then. Um, there was a while when, uh, before we were married, my wife and I um, were living with a friend of ours, you know, and, and um, my wife, Stephanie, and our friend Mike, they, they was like, we need to get a live Christmas tree. And I'm, you know, being the Scrooge that I am, I like, why? Why would we want this? <laughs> and they're like, well, because they're great. They smell great and they're, they're fresh and you know, it's like and needles drop all over the place and you know it's a pain that's in the why ass. you put a cover down obviously <laughs> yeah and yeah and then you have cats tracking needles all over the fan house <laughs> but like no, I, no. I, yeah they, they insisted and i got outvoted and we got a live christmas tree and, and it was fantastic no it wasn't because first off at the time i was the only one with a car so i had to go get the tree and they came with us, with me, but you know, I had to drive and scrap the Christmas tree to the top of my my, my car, and then bring it bring it home, and then we set it up, and then 
they never touched that tree again. Like I had to water the tree. I had to keep the house from burning down. This became my job because everybody else was too lazy. And then, and then, they, and then they made me do it again the next year. And then the year after that, I was just like, no, no, God damn it. And I bought a fake tree and we've been using it ever since. This is the worst Christmas story ever. Yeah. We should do a movie on Lifetime. <laughs> I, I grew up in the country, so as a child, I have those wonderful memories of my mother and I taking a sled into the woods and cutting down our Christmas tree and bringing it home and you know, it, a lifetime movie for in my childhood. Um, my parents are ancient, as I've mentioned on the show in the past. I still do Christmas with them, and they've had a, a fake tree for years just because probably shouldn't send the 97 year old mother out in the woods with a sled and a hatchet you know (laughs) (laughs) and hannah lives in the south and somehow has a live tree that someone trucked in i've I've always okay first of all north carolina has christmas tree farms okay i drove past all of them are they free range though (laughs) no uh, secondly, <laughs> I've never not had a live Christmas tree. And the one year my parents actually, it was the year both my parents and Josh said, let's get an artificial tree. Cause Josh apparently didn't grow up with live trees and also had white lights and not multicolored lights. And I was like, no, what's the Josh. point? What's the point? So I won. We got it's a live classy. tree. We got, we got multicolored lights and you know what? He likes them better. We, we alternate between the multicolored lights and the and the um, good ones. We, 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 we do not have the budget to do that, and also multicolored lights are the best. <laughs> well, this is not the Christmas tree show. This is the Santa show. Yeah, so. yeah believe, we, we are talking about Christmas this this time around. You know what? The, uh, it is magic to go out and look under the tree, and then there are gifts from Santa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, still sure. I, 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 I will say one of the probably top five purely romantic moments of my life involved a Christmas tree and going to get one and whatever. But I, I won't bore you with that story. But, but yeah, and, and that was a live I was tree. I wondering if this was kind of the, you know, the box pop after dark episode. Where yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should introduce our guests before we scare them away. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're going to talk about Santa Claus today and we're going to talk about, you know, the pop cultural significance of Santa Claus, the man, the myth, the legend. And in order to speak about that, we have to, we have to go out and get an, get an expert of sorts. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Dan Peretti. Hey, Dan. Hi. So, Dan, you are a Santa expert? Well, I'm working on it. How about that? <laughs> what do you do? Tell, tell people what you do. Yeah. Oh, I'm a I'm a folklorist. I teach at Memorial University in Newfoundland. Uh, I teach courses on legends and myths, pop culture and folklore and things like that. Nice. So I've got. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, it's a fairly recent job for me, so I'm still getting the hang of it all. But as part of this, I'm I'm conducting a lot of different types of research on Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so you and you know probably way more about different versions of Santa legends than we do, which um, and I assume you. <laughs> I, I mean, and I and I'm I'm hoping you can sort of fill in gaps and like you know sort of help us with the with the conversation of you know. So oh, why sure. is there I, Santa? I, yeah. At, at one time, I knew. I knew. I, at one time, I knew a lot more of of that stuff. Uh, it's been years since I've read it, but there was a time I delved into that pretty deeply. Um, I. I just to, so our listeners are aware, uh, I was Santa for six years at downtown Coffins in Pittsburgh. Uh, 
in another oh, lifetime Monsanto. many years ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have uh, experience uh, inhabiting the role of Santa. And at the time, through my own interest in folklore and legend and myth and all that stuff, did uh, a lot of research and that sort of thing. So but it's been years since I've read it in depth. So, Dan, you're on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there is a lot, too. You can go you can go forever just digging into this stuff. Well, for our show, we always talk. Yeah, I mean, there's the historical stuff and that's going to come up. But I was thinking about I'm, I'm kind of wondering what people's first experience with Santa is. And I, and I think people like there's no way we know. Right. Like like, I don't know. I was born and I don't remember that. And by the time I have cognizant memories of memories of life. Um, you know, there several Christmases, a, right, right. It, well, no, I, you know, one, I, I actually remember my life pretty well from like the age two on. Um, so, so, but like I, there just was a Santa Claus and, um, I, I, I find it interesting, you know, sort of the idea, you know, and we'll talk about you know, people's things about, should you tell your children there's a Santa Claus? Cause you're lying to children and that makes you a horrible person. But if you take away the magic from children of Santa, then you are denying them their childhood and you're a horrible person because there's a lot of ways to be horrible people. But, um, but like the idea, I don't know when you start believing in Santa Claus, but I'm like fascinated by the idea of when do you stop believing in Santa Claus? And I don't know when that happened for me. Like, I don't, like, I know that, I don't know. I, I remember. I'm sorry. Are you telling me there's not a Santa Claus? Oh, shit. We should, we, we, we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't have had Hannah on the show. Spoiler warning. We just ruined it for you. Spoiler <laughs> warning. My, my parents have said, and this is true, and I guess just shows how much some people want to believe in the magic of Christmas, that once you stop believing in Santa, he won't come. And therefore, if you keep believing in Santa, he keeps leaving gifts under the tree. And there's just something so nice about that. I don't want to stop. Oh. Once again, I got the Rogers family to adopt me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that whole idea that that belief. I I remember very specifically, you know, stopping believing in Santa Claus as a child. When I was playing the part of Santa, I started again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a very different belief, obviously. Yeah. Um, Well, how old were you you stop stop believing? uh, Pretty early. I I remember very specifically like second grade on the bus and I had some comic or magazine that had a picture of Santa on the cover and I was being an obnoxious little fuck and referring to him as, you know, look at the, look at this fat guy. And I was fat shaming Santa because I, I didn't believe anymore. And like the neighbor kid who was five months younger than I was broke his heart. Just, you know, it's like, you, you can't talk about young. Santa like yeah. that. You, you won't get any, like he was losing his mind because I was making fun of Santa on the bus. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I I was smart and observant. <laughs> so, but yeah, I and I do remember that very specifically as a second grade. They say event, they say uh, for reasons that go beyond the scope of this conversation. So. See, I I know I believed when I was two. Oh, I, I was just going to say that the the general age is about eight or nine. That that's when okay kids start to get this idea that there are things that are impossible, and so they they can't help but notice. But the facts yeah. they can't they can't work. But so so second grade that's like seven maybe. So that's yeah, okay. right about right about there. Yeah, I I know I believed at two. I know I stopped I stopped believing sometime before like twenty five. 
Um, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly when. I, I know, I, I remember, I have a distinct memory when I was either kindergarten or preschool, so four or five, I remember is when I noticed that when you go to the mall, there are multiple Santas. Yeah. Um, like, it's like, right. oh, yeah, you know, we're going to go see Santa so you can tell them um, what you are. And then there's like, there's a Santa at Sears or, you know, just outside of Sears at our mall. And then there, but there's also a Santa ringing a bell for Salvation Army when you walk in the door. And then, like, you, you notice if you look over at Kaufman's, which is across the street from the mall, you can see that Santa's there as well. And, you know, and then all three of those Santas look, I was not, it was not kindergarten, it was, I was four because um, I, I would have been at Head Start Preschool. All three of those Santas are clearly different people because, you know, they're, you know, chubby white guys who are clearly a different person than the black Santa who came to my preschool um the day before <laughs> like like, yeah. like and, I, and i'm very I, clearly aware that like in you know in a 24-hour period i've met four santas yeah. three of them in in a 15-minute period the, and i remember questioning my mom about it and she was like yeah uh the one who, the one that went to your school was real everybody else is a santa's helper and like yeah. let it go. <laughs> and that, that's very much the story parents who yeah. brought their kids to kaufman's downtown where i worked and they had a really elaborate santa setup. Uh, much more so than a, a mall, at least malls at that time. Uh, and just for the record, I was just a remarkably young person playing Santa at that point. <laughs> fake, fake beard and a fake belly and all the stuff. Um, but uh, they they would tell them, that, you know, the, the Santas you see at the mall and all these other places, those are helpers and they're important. But this is the real one, the one down here at Santa. And it was it, there, going into the folklore stuff. It felt like an initiatory experience. You waited in line. I wasn't out in the open where everybody could see me all the time. You were ushered into a small room. So it was just you, Santa and the photographer. Oh, I haven't and seen it, that it was before. Very, it was very so, much a, a personal audience with Santa. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and and, it's, and at the time, very much like this is this feels initiatory. The, the, you you are getting private audience. So it's like the Stan Lee experience at a con, but with Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other extreme of that is I, I was, and I, I'm just going to be you know, telling anecdotes of being Santa for this whole episode, so I apologize. But I, the Pittsburgh Christmas Parade one year, it's on Saturday, like Saturday after Thanksgiving. And on Friday night, I got a phone call from the temp agency I did Santa with, and they had a the, the parade had a special professional Santa who came in every year and did that. And apparently he was throwing up with the flu. So I got to be the Santa in the downtown Pittsburgh Christmas parade one year, riding the flu down mean, the, the middle of the Santa street. was sick. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. I didn't realize. That. Uh, and and the energy, just the that that sense of, you know, I, I'm the money shot of the parade, essentially. Um, again, box pop the energy, <laughs> the, yeah, the, the energy and the love and the excitement coming off of the sidewalks as my float went down the middle of downtown Pittsburgh was just palpable. It, it was kind of an overwhelming experience. Oh yeah. Do you end up finding yourself like just wanting to just pick one kid out and crush him, you know, just like <laughs> well, you know, there you, was, you're not, you're getting cold. <laughs> John, John Fedko, who was a sports announcer at the time, like suddenly was on my oh, float. Wow. He's yeah. He, he like jumped up on the float and he says, okay, in about 30 seconds, we're going to be in front of the cameras we're going live. I'm going to ask you your Christmas message. Nobody gave me any warning for this. <laughs> so 
I had to, and I, I tried to do something like non-denominational and general, be kind to everybody, Merry Christmas. But I fully admit that in that moment, I was like, I'm just going to rip off the beard and prove this is all fake on <laughs> live television. I will be famous across the nation tonight. <laughs> famous and reviled. <laughs> I didn't the do that. Thing, the whole thing sounds like a reverse miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> It's just the opposite in every way, right? <laughs> oh, well, and, and that's kind of one of the things. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about. You mentioned Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I was thinking about you know the various uh, Santa Claus media, and because um, one of the things that I remember when I was a child, I know I I know I didn't believe in Santa probably by about third grade because um, I was like, like talking with my mom um, before, you know, planning this episode. And she was saying, well, she, she, she knows that um, she had to have a conversation with me about not ruining it for my brothers. I, I'm the, I'm the oldest. And so they would have, you know, I'm like five years older than my youngest brother. And so she, she basically, you know, had a conversation with me around eight or nine to you know, make sure you let him keep believing. So certainly I knew by then and she knew I knew by then, but I don't know when I stopped other than that moment that I, you know, like I don't remember her ever having a conversation with me of Santa's fake. And I don't remember ever asking her, is Santa fake? You know, or anything like that. It was just sort of understood that, yeah, you, I know, don't, you know, I don't remember that being traumatic at all. Like, it, well, yeah, I, I remember that, that anecdote I told you about ruining some other kids Christmas. Yeah. But I, I don't remember having that experience myself. It was kind of like, a, huh, okay. All right, I get this. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, and I don't know. I kind of wonder because there was never a point where I had, where I had that. I, I don't remember ever asking. Um, yeah, and neither, neither I, mean, I was I. a little nerd. I was a little nerdy kid who knew how the space shuttle worked. So clearly, <laughs> clearly they were like, you know, I don't know. He's, he reads, he's, he's probably figured it out, but there's no internet. But what I do distinctly remember is that media in the, you know, this is the late seventies and early eighties for me. When Santa appeared on television, you know, I mean, Wayne, you're talking about it. When Santa appeared yeah. on television, Santa was real. Everybody yeah. treated. Oh, yeah. So John Fedko, um, for those of you not from Pittsburgh, which is most of our listeners, John Fedko at that time was a was the voice of Pittsburgh sports on television. You know, I'm John Fedko. This is the Fedko zone. You know, that was yeah, that yeah. was like his name. And Wayne's not even a sports fan, but you know who he is. He, he, yeah. he was, oh yeah. He was basically the he was the you know he was the main nightly broadcast. He, he was the not Myron Cope sportscaster. Right. right. Yeah. And <laughs> and so um, so Fedko isn't going to talk to you like you're. I mean, even outside of the context of the parade, if you've been on television, like when Santa Claus shows up on the news, the news stops, and then you know newscasters talk to Santa like they're real. If Santa Claus shows up on a TV show, Santa Claus is on different strokes or blossom or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's Santa Claus, you know, and the adults talk to him like he's Santa. And that's, and I know today TV shows don't necessarily do that. Like there'll be a guy playing Santa as a character um, on modern family or something like that. But there's no, but there was no, there was no breaking that myth back when I was a kid. And that appears to be different today. You know, Um, and I don't know, I don't know, you know, where the Miracle on 34th Street uh, thing is where, you know, Miracle on 34th Street was like a, 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 was a weird movie because the, the message of that is, is he the real Santa or isn't he the real yeah. Santa? And, uh, you know, you, if you finish that movie thinking he kind of is right. But it's not a question of, you know, there's no Santa, you know. So so what so what you're asking is, what's the role of Santa Claus in late stage capitalism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's a tough one. I see it. The way I look at it is, is that, uh, I don't remember believing in Santa Claus myself. Like, I don't know when it stopped mm-hmm. with you guys, but I remember when my parents learned that I don't believe in Santa Claus mm-hmm. and their, their kind of shock and disappointment. And so when I'm, when I'm studying this as someone who interviews people who believe in Santa Claus, who, who play portray Santa Claus, uh, what I find out is that it's much more important to adults than it is to children. And that was the first surprise I got. And then I thought about back to my own childhood. And I'm like, well, that, that makes sense. I, I feel like I kept it from them for years that I didn't believe in any of this. Uh, Santa <laughs> counts in a daughter or a child. Just don't say my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I, I saw that when people were bringing their kids in to get the pictures taken with Santa, just how, what a big deal it was to the parents of these small children. And, you know, I had, you know, mm-hmm. I did this for what, five, six years. I had a raft of experiences with different kids, but just what you just said kind of across the board, that was so true. These parents were so all about getting that picture and having their child have the experience. Yeah. It's really important to them. Yeah. My, my picture is in thousands of albums around Pittsburgh. It's that, that's a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. Yeah, no, it's uh, I've been reading. <laughs> yeah, I've been reading Reddit, uh, which is a mistake as always. Um, <laughs> to distract from like daily life. Like I don't even have an account. I just find like subreddits with ridiculousness on them. And there is because it's the Christmas season, um, and Santa has now popped up in the mall. So many parents have been posting online about how angry they are. With like the grandparents for taking their like one year old to see Santa, and it was the first trip to see Santa, and the grandparents stole it. Yeah, it's very dramatic. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's it's a one year old, so the one year old has no recollection of it next year anyway. Right. It's just like a thing for the parents. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know, I Santa was though important to me because I remember I I loved my Pooh Bear when I was I think I was like three. And we went on a trip and I left it somewhere and it disappeared. And then I woke up on Christmas morning and Pooh was under the tree waiting for me. And that like was magic. magic. It was magic. Yeah, that's always yeah. <laughs> and Hannah I mean, was 26 when this happened. No, I was three. <laughs> actually, so what's it? Actually that, was it the same bear, bear or was it, was it like a, it was the, the same bear. bear that you'd lost or was it like a new exact copy of that bear? It you know I mean? felt like the same bear to me. Yeah, it felt like the same yeah. bear to me. I yeah. I choose to believe it was the same bear. The, the, that that mm-hmm. same bear that is now like 26 years old that is sitting on my shelf in front of me. Um, I, I don't I don't know the real story behind that. I think I left it at my grandparents' house, so it would have been easy for Santa to yeah. obtain it. But it's just like it's such a magical memory because like I was I was yeah. at the age where like it was like oh my god how did he get back here for Christmas that I I'm not touching that with logic. <laughs> I kind of want to believe that there's yeah. like a, that there's like a whole secret story where where Hannah's parents literally sometime in October just snuck into her room and stole her bear just so that they could get her magic. Parents aren't like that. I'm thinking there's a movie where where Pooh is returned to Hannah on Santa's sleigh. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. That totally. Went, 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 totally. Went, a Christmas went, movie. Like an yeah, when, when, yeah. when Santa when yeah. Santa visits the grandparents and sees Pooh there, and then Pooh rides mm. with Santa for the rest of the night until going home to to Hannah's house. And there's like a whole there's like a whole adventure kind of thing. I like that. Yeah. yeah. 
Like a Milo and Otis kind of thing where he's on the road. (laughs) Which is why, actually, I remember having a conversation with my mom in second grade where I was like, Mom, is Santa real? And she's like, what do you think? And I I knew in that moment I was right, but it was important to me to keep the magic going. And clearly it's still important to me. So I backed off and I was like, oh, he's definitely real. (laughs) Awesome. And then she agreed. She just said, yeah, that's right. Or what would happen? Yeah. I mean, I mean, my sister, my sister's younger than me. So like, uh-huh. even if I had been like, this is for babies, I still would have had to not be the dick. And. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really, that, that reminds me of, of uh, some things I found that are online. It's this, is it the, the concept of giving advice to parents mm-hmm. who are worried about this and what they've turned it in. You mentioned, you mentioned an initiation earlier, I think, Mav, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's what they're turning it into. So when, when the children are ready, there's, they're, they like, they give all these details, like take them out to a, I think they said coffee house, which is weird to take a seven-year-old to, but something like that. Like the way you say it, it's like, it's like, it's the neutral relocation. It's, this is where you're going to break up with your kid. You yeah. know, so you, you go, go to a public yeah, right. place. <laughs> Hi, we should have a talk. It's not working. But it's also, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an adult place. And so the, the process is that you sort of initiate them into this awareness that Santa Claus is not that he doesn't exist. They're never saying don't, don't, don't shatter the illusion. Just say that parents are Santa Claus. And now that you know the truth, uh, you can help us by being Santa Claus yourself. And they, oh, that's, and it goes that's into a lot of detail. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a whole right. And, and that's right. That that's very much that right of adulthood. You're initiating them into adulthood rather than breaking their heart and their illusions and letting them know you've lied to them their entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's reframing it so that they're not. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. No, I think I found that one in a, an upworthy article or something like that. But I've seen other things like it. The mm-hmm. the one was this guy who does a blog called The Meaning of Life. Uh, he, it's a it's an atheistic perspective on the whole thing. And so what's been really interesting is comparing that perspective. Like, yes, tell them it's not true. Don't don't give them these illusions longer than they need to have them. And uh, but but keep it special, keep it magical. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of different opinions about that, but that's the one I found to be the most dominant. We have a question from you know our friend of the show, Joe Dorowski. Um and Joe said uh, when Christmas specials question the existence of Santa, even if they confirm his, his existence in the end, does that plant the seed of doubt in young viewers' minds? Is their intended message not the one that is received? And I think that's sort of also a thing if christmas is for for the parents but then they're you don't want to ruin it for the kids what happens when you watch a you know if a kid is three and is never even considered is there or isn't a santa claus and then you show that kid miracle on 34th street which you should because it's a delightful movie but if the entire point of that movie is oh i don't think there's a santa but then i met the real santa and i guess there is does it make the kid go wait a minute but this is a movie is there a santa That's a really interesting question. I think I think it definitely does that, right? It definitely introduces that doubt if it doesn't come from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But my perspective as a as a folklorist is that Santa Claus is a legend, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is different is different from my perspective as a student of pop culture, which is that Santa Claus is a myth. Uh, so it's that's like, an embodied. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as a folklorist, a myth is a is a creation story, right? It's about gods and things. But pop culture scholars tend to study myth as an embodiment of an ideology, which I think fits yeah. perfectly. You're talking about capitalism already, right? But as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a genre of folklore, it's, it's sort of a legend complex uh, that's mm-hmm. related to a legend uh, type of behavior called ostension, which is sort of enacting a, a legend. 
think of people who poison Halloween candy uh, because they heard that someone else does it. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, the concept applies yeah. here. I think it's it's people. We have this narrative tradition, and so we enact it. We make it real. Uh, which is a, which is a really important concept, and so to think about it that way, legend. There's always a doubt built into legend. Yeah, and it's and that, just that, it's part of it. That that reenacting thing, that recreating the world. Uh, I was just reading some of this recently for another project. The mythologists, and I'm probably pronouncing his name completely wrong. Like Mircea Eliade. Um, oh yeah, Eliade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talked about that recreating the world. That so many of the. the mm-hmm. Uh, traditions of any culture, and, and particularly this is true of more more primitive cultures, but it's true now as well. There's a very active, you reenact the story, which recreates the world, that you are constantly engaged in the recreation of the world by reenacting the thing that created it in the first place. So it is embodying the, the story of your particular culture. Right. Yeah. The myth of the eternal return. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're always reliving them. That's a, it's a really interesting idea. Eliada has been very influential. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes from a religious studies background over in Romania. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but so, highly influential on all the, the mythic studies and that type of thing because of, because of that sort of approach to it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it applies to Santa Claus because it's recurrent, right? You do this every year. So you are, yeah. you are engaged yes. in that. It's sort of a dialogue with history. And I think that's why it's so important is that parents want their children to have their childhood. And the issue comes up that they're they're viewing their childhood through nostalgia. And that's never exactly right. So you get a lot yeah. of this intergenerational conflict and it's just very complicated. And each new family trying to create their own new traditions and, and trying to marry the traditions of the two families they come from. I, oh, yeah. I still, you yeah. know, I was talking about the, the tree. I still do this with my 97 year old mother, you know, like within the next two weeks, I will go home and we will put up the tree and we will get out the ornaments. And the ornaments are a collection of stuff that we've had since I was a child and you gifts that people have given us. And part of the tradition is very much as we're unwrapping ornaments is kind of retelling the story of where this came from or the person who gave it to us. Yeah, that's um, right. And, yeah. And, and we, and we do that every year and it's, it's, you know, it's a tradition that, that I find personally very meaningful. Um, and I am sure, you know, every family has their version of that, mm-hmm. not just for Christmas, but for, you know, any event. Right. But it fits Christmas very well, doesn't it? It's uh it's a yeah. time when you're sort of taking stock of the whole year and you're, you're looking back and you remember all these things. Well, and tying that in with the whole, you know, the winter solstice, you know, whatever the origins of this holiday, depending on your faith or whatever, that winter solstice, it is, it's, it's the death of the old year, the beginning of the new, you know, things are starting up again. Days are starting to get longer. Um, you, know, it's the, the rebirth of the sun, S U N or S O N, depending on right. how you do this. Um, right. And that's where the word Yuletide comes from. Yule is, is the word wheel. So it's the, the wheel has gone around one more time. No, from Green County, it's not, you'll, you'll bring them presents in the house, right? (laughs) 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 Even when we think about like Christmas from like, quote unquote, the modern perspective, which a lot of people trace back to Dickens and a Christmas Carol, which isn't Mm -hmm. strictly true, even though he certainly popularized and solidified it. 
Yeah, of course I'm bringing up Dickens' Christmas. Party. I was going to say, that was the most <laughs> organic, organic reference to your time period that you've ever actually done on the show. I was actually yeah. really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I just slid right in there. I was like, wow, that's, that's that. <laughs> like, normally it's like, you know, it's like, you know, if we're ta- if you're thinking about Lost and Charles Dickens, I'm like, yeah, okay. But this time we're just like, no, that, that just, that, that rolled that, right that, in there. I like that. that. that perfect. Sorry, I, continue. It is always relevant. <laughs> I, I portrayed um, the ghost of Christmas present in a college production of A Christmas Carol. So. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have a long history of embodying Christmas ideas. Which, like, you know, a lot of people think that uh, A Christmas Carol is kind of more secular, which, okay, sure. But also, like, still very, like, steeped in, like, Christianity. Like, Tiny Tim, God blesses everyone. That's kind of like the closing bit. Um, Muppets Christmas mm-hmm. Carol. Many religious themed songs there. Um, one of which is basically a prayer anyway. But, you know, like the idea of Scrooge is that he can take stock of his whole life and it's a chance for him to like remake himself and become something better and to have compassion for his fellow man. So mm-hmm. like Christmas is the oppor- like the holiday, the opportunity like Dickens portrays as a time where a horrible person can change. Um, right. Of course. It's forgiveness. And, there's yeah but also and also atonement um and redemption uh to go back to our yeah uh diggins is really like heavy-handed on his whole like rebirth christ resurrection metaphors uh <laughs> not just a tell to say not oh well tell to say is too not just a christmas carol but tell to say is too um and i'm sure others that i cannot think of off the top of my head but no one wants to sit here while i like talk about every dickens novel that's my Christmas present to you. Uh, God, God bless you, Hannah, everyone. From, but, you know, there, there is like, even even like in not specifically like Dickensian retellings, like the idea of a Christmas Carol and one day I want to do a show on this. Like, the, like even in those like dumb Hallmark movies or things we don't think of as being specifically um, a Christmas Carol stories, there is like that kind of redemption, forgiveness, optimist, mm-hmm. kindness narrative. Last Christmas. Yeah, we, we talked on our, yeah, we talked on our Christmas episode last year, our Christmas, um, our Christmas Hallmark special uh, last year that, you know, redemption and nostalgia and warm fuzzies and all that, that that's what goes into, you know, Christmas as an idea is at this point, I think very much about the, you know, so the Christmas spirit will inhabit you, you know, make you a better person. And Santa is the embodiment of that Christmas spirit for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually want to ask the question then, why, did, why are we trying to kill him? And I don't mean us like personally. But I, <laughs> yeah. but they, I, and yeah. I, I was, I was thinking that same thing. Cause we, there's certainly the image of Santa in so many movies or TV shows, like bad Santa as mm-hmm. the thing that comes to mind immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. The Christmas story movie that's become one of the traditions and Santa, you know, kicking the kid down the slide like we have you'll this, look your eye out kid yeah right yeah, right. yeah. There, there's sort of this this let's make fun of santa trope that happens as frequently as the good santa stuff you want to now yeah I mean, yeah I, I, like i i'm trying to i'm trying to think in the last and maybe you guys can help me in the last i don't know decade how many positive Santa incarnation, you know, news? I mean, now, I mean, I've watched Miracle with from 34th Street in the last decade. I've watched, you know, I've seen uh, lots of all the Christmas specials that were on in the 70s, in the 60s, and the 80s. 
I don't know why I did them in that order, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but those, um, those are all still on today. You know, you'll, you'll play a Charlie Brown Christmas. You'll play all, you know, I, yeah. I get that. I get that. But I'm thinking of the Santa Claus specials. I, or, or movies. Elf. Santa's a good guy. Uh, do you count the Christmas Chronicles with sexy Kurt Russell? Well, I mean, well, I don't see, think he's me. sexy. I'm just saying that's what they were doing with that. You don't think <laughs> Kurt Russell is sexy in that movie? No. Oh my God, you're so wrong. I would totally have done Santa in that movie. You're, <laughs> that, that, I'm not, I'm not engaging episode. in this conversation. <laughs> that, that was last week's episode. I... <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, no, but like, yeah. So in that, though, that's again, there, there's a miracle on 34th Street message there where you know, they don't believe in Santa. Santa turns out to be real, real, but then Santa, you know, real Santa there, he's not like, he, he's certainly not a bad guy. And, and I don't think Santa is usually a bad guy, but, but he's cool ass. And, you know, I'm Kurt Russell. And, you know, why does everybody think I'm fat? I'm going to do this, this rock, this rock and roll thing. Right. So like you have that, or you have, you have, you have movies where, um, where Santa is, you know, kind of an ass or, you know, like, you know, that's, you know, that's, well, I, I guess it isn't just the, the cynicism of our age or, or people who have trouble with sentimentality, which is a plug for an upcoming episode. Uh, might, yeah, yeah. Either ne- yeah, it's a plug for either last week's episode or next week's episode. I'm not sure which, cause I, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, is it people who are uncomfortable? with sentimentality people who are disappointed in the christmas spirit or deceit you they they feel bad in their own lives and the whole (laughs) christmas thing makes them depressed and angry and all that stuff you think we you think we postmodernism santa (laughs) yeah well well, and and you know well and and to to go back to the phrase i used earlier is it as a culture we're striking out against our disappointments in late stage capitalism because <laughs> there's a certain amount of the, the Christmas thing for all of its magic that's very much about consume. Sure. Um, and and is does that does that destroy the magic? What's interesting to me about what you're all saying is is the idea that uh, the kind of lurking behind all this is that there's just such a demand for content. And I wonder if the sentimental yeah. stories we feel like those are done and we can't do that anymore. Not because we're we're. I mean, because we're postmodern, but not because we're we're feeling cynical, but rather we just need something new all the time. Uh, I'm thinking of Grant Morrison's Klaus series from Boom Studios. Yeah. Like, that's that's fairly positive. Uh, okay. That's mm-hmm. a Santa superhero sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so well, a lot Noel of movies, on yeah. What was that yeah. one? Oh, I was gonna say Noel on Disney Plus. Like, it's not cynical, but like Anna Kendrick is the star, not who the person who's actually taking over Santa, and it's kind of like more of a goofy comedy. Mm-hmm. Well, so the Santa Claus, uh, I think that's Tim Allen. Yeah, it's the nineties or early two thousands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but even has in, to become. But even in that, like you know, it's a the the premise of that of that movie is that Santa was a good guy, but he like dies in the opening scene. Like there's a there's that's a right. good Santa, and Santa's killed, and then Tim Allen has to take over for him. <laughs> like that's you know, there, there that's is comedy. Like, yeah, make, that's for laughs, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't isn't Thirty Fourth Street's a? Is, I mean, I guess I I think of that as a comedy, but it's not. You know, it's a it's a heartwarming Christmassy. You know, family family picture. Well, that yeah, that I mean, need that need for for new new content. I mean, that ongoing the, the empty right, mall that we all are. And and how many of these things are are sort of creator driven, right? These movies, mm-hmm. these next Netflix specials, these are producers saying we gotta. 
we got to make a new Christmas yeah. special. So we got, yeah. And what are they? Well, is, is, does that tie into the whole trying to create new traditions? We were talking earlier about how there's the old traditions that we all have in our own family. When we become part of a new family or make our own family, there's that need to create new traditions. And mm-hmm. you know, are, are the movies that attempt to, oh, this will be this generation's miracle on 34th Street or whatever? Or is it just purely shit? We got a lot of hours of cable to fill. to sound really cynical for a second um yeah well it's both right you're you're just throwing it against the wall seeing what sticks yeah but you know we 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 actually haven't talked about how santa like our conception of santa in the u.s became a thing Uh, yeah i mean mean, god damn i think that's a good question that's a big topic yeah that that goes well you mentioned difference right yeah. And his buddy, um, Washington Irving, is responsible for a lot of that going back into the 1820s. Uh, it was the, it was in New York City, the New York Historical Society. It's a it's I don't know how much you want to get into this, but it was a it was a fervor for patron saints coming out of the 1700s. Uh, so mm-hmm. the United what we see, we got, we got St. George in England. We got uh, St. Andrew in Scotland, St. David in Wales. St. Patrick in Ireland. So the colonies decided they needed their own patron saint and they picked Nicholas because nobody else was using him. Uh, and he's literally <laughs> the, most, the most popular saint in the world. Uh, more churches dedicated to him than anybody else. So they, they start doing this and Irving kind of infiltrates the New York Historical Society and becomes, mm-hmm. he, I, well, the way I read it is he kind of wanted to just make fun of them. That's the kind of guy he was yeah. at the time. And, and he sort of got yeah. converted to their cause and became became part of them. And so when he's promoting, they're all promoting the worship of not worship, uh, telling telling slip of the tongue there the the use of Saint Nicholas <laughs> in Christmas festivals. Uh, he he kind of got into it, and they they made him a part of the whole thing, and and they made it really popular, and it spread out from New York City from there. Mm-hmm. And then you get then you get Thomas Nast in the 1860s, really making the image that we have the the he was he was shorter back then you know he was an elf he was a little guy you know the mm-hmm. size of kids but when the, these ad these uh ads and, and cartoons in harper's weekly they were they were very political you know he was pro soldier he was pro north in the civil war he was making cartoons to support presidential candidates and so he just kept coming back to santa claus all the time to to get his points across and that really got it and then after that in the 1880s 1890s it, it got picked up by coca-cola by the 1930s yeah Co- uh, that's when i know coca-cola yeah coca-cola invented how santa looks to most of us today uh, they 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 added the white trim to the the red outfit that mast had given it because oh, they want they wanted to look they wanted to match his their bottle yeah yeah. I I was actually in Iceland and the guy said a guy who I was staying at his like homestay Airbnb thing said to me, You guys don't have a real myth, you just have a Coca-Cola Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Superman, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a books I a book I want to reference and Dan, you may you are probably already aware of this. It was one of the main ones I, I was reading back when I was doing that research. It came out in nineteen ninety five. It's called When Santa Was a Shaman. We'll link to this in the show notes. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, have you read that? Are you familiar with it? Because it, it, yeah. it leads it leads into the stuff you were just talking about. But it really goes back mm-hmm. to like all the legends and folklore and myths and the pieces from all of them that have led into some modern conceptions mm-hmm. of Santa. And you yeah. just talked yeah. about Krampus, which I, I want to talk about in a minute. And like Central Class <laughs> and Black Peter and 
Yeah, and going back to traditions that are prehistoric mm-hmm. as well in terms of imagery and story and all of that stuff. And I, I, I pulled it off my shelf. I have it here. I'm looking at it. I haven't read it in years, but I remember at the time being just fascinated by the tremendous amount of history and imagery that can be pulled into our modern inter- interpretation of Santa and what Santa is and how much of that is lost under the <laughs> tinsel of the holidays. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's very uh, sanitized, I guess is the word. Yeah. I love, I love all the dark Christmas stuff. You mentioned like Black Peter and the Krampus. It's just so great, and it's it's coming back. Like there are Krampus. Yeah, that's it. I, I was gonna, yeah. I wanted to bring up the Krampus thing, which you know, ten years yeah. ago, if I mentioned Krampus, nobody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and Mav, you and I are both invited to a Krampus party this week. You know? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go, but yes. <laughs> yeah, same, same same here. But but nevertheless, here we are. You know, we're at a point where there's you know, a movie, and and I see that, and maybe just because of the people I associate with, I see more Krampus in my facebook feed that i do santa uh, but just sort of the resurgence of this kind of anti-santa figure or at least anti-santa in the way we think of him uh, well it's because everyone we know is dead inside but yeah sure well, yeah. <laughs> well i mean okay they need Krampus... to have return to them hey hey <laughs> no i'm serious um, people have lost their inner poo I well, actually, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds sure. far worse than I intended it. Yeah, yeah. that sounded um, far worse than I meant it to. <laughs> but you know, like on the, I mean, like Krampus is definitely like more in line with my favorite Christmas Santa esque story, which is um, Iceland um, and their folklore. Uh, and the Yule cat, which eats people who yeah, don't yeah. get new clothes yeah, yeah. before it comes, and the Yule lads, which like there's like at least thirteen of them um, who are mischievous but give presents, but at the same time, they're tell, like, they're, they're no, are, don't cut that short. Tell that story. Tell the story of the Yule cat. What exactly goes on? Okay, okay. <laughs> this is gonna this is diverging wildly from what I was trying to make a point of. Okay, so there, there's like in Iceland, uh, there's like a cave and these pranksters slash evil monsters who come to town during Christmas, like live in the cave and there's a giantess with her husband and she like steals children and like cooks them in on like her pot and eats them like a less fun Hansel and Gretel kind of situation. And then they have the Yule lads, um, which are their children. And there are at least 13 of them. I think sometimes in some myths, there are more, but like traditionally, like I think it's been like kind of narrowed down to 13 and they have ridiculous names. Um, like, like stubby and pot scraper and bowl liquor. Bowl liquor is my favorite. And the best part of this legend, and I guess you've heard me tell the stories about going to Iceland. The best part of this legend is the Yule cat, which is their pet cat who is evil. And I think usually like portrayed as like a black cat, at least in the ornaments um, we have, because we have, we have many, we have many Yule cat ornaments um, from Iceland. There's, there's, cat, a, there's a section on this in the, the book I was just referring. I'm flipping through it right now. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This cat. I mean, I think like some stories make the cat nicer because Christmas kitty, but the Yule cat <laughs> lurks around and like if they haven't gotten new clothes before he comes on Christmas Eve, the Yule cat eats them. And yeah, Yule cat. But he's a kitty, <laughs> so and a Christmas kitty, so it's great. Um and well, there's a whole there's a whole protection with new clothes thing there that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about before. Uh, it's similar there's a lot of stories about that. I've owned cats, so I I'm I'm totally like there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, if any of my cats got, you know, sick of me, they'd eat me. Like that's yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> that just checks out. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's just how cats are. 
But like, okay. There's... You were going somewhere with the story yes. before I made you tell okay. the entire story. Yeah, okay, but like, like, okay, I get it. Like, Kitty eating people who don't have new clothes is kind of dark, and eating children's kind of dark, and mischievous <sighs> prank slash presents isn't the same as just like nice presents give to the world. Um, and it's it's more in line with Krampus than like Coca-Cola Santa. But I mean, like some of the things like that, the thing I first knew that popularized Santa was L. Frank Baum, the guy who wrote The Wizard of Oz, also wrote a book called The Life yes. and Adventures of Santa Claus, which has also been turned into at least two movies that I watched as a kid. And that's also super dark and scary. I mean, Santa's a good guy, but there's also, like, other, like, mythical creatures that steal toys and, like, frightened my sister when she was little. Um, and Everything Baum the Og was scary, yeah. by the way. People don't yeah. know that if, they, if they've yeah. only seen the movie Wizard of Oz, he's a dark dude. You know, yeah. kids' books were different back then. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, I think that actually, like, kids' books still, like, remain dark. We just... No, yeah. or, and like, and I mean, like young adult, I mean, young adult fiction is like an actual category now, but I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's sometimes more serious than what I see like people my age reading when they're, and I'm not making fun of them because all, all things tell us something about our culture, but you know, like Sarah Dessen or something like that, that is very different than, you know, the hate you give. Okay. Which, which, so anyway, oh no, well, that, that's, sorry. If you, if you look at like the Newberry winners over the years, those are all about death. Mm-hmm. tend to reward yeah. books yeah. that are about dark themes. Neil I mean, like, the was book. huge when I was young. <laughs> yeah. And The Giver is freaky. And all the sequels to The Giver are even freakier. <laughs> I don't know those books. I mean, I've heard of them, but I've never read it. Yeah. Um, uh, po- post-apocalyptic dystopian world before The Hunger Games was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, is, which is way off topic from like what we're trying to do with Santa. Anyway, well, Santa's, <laughs> like, Santa's a dark person. Well, Santa, I mean, Santa breaks into your house and like, you know, sort of, Santa's, a, you know, in, in my neighborhood, when growing up, Santa would have been shot, right? Because, like, <laughs> oh, there's a white man climbing down your chimney. Shoot him. You know, like, that's a, that's not something that you want. But, um, but it's like sort of, it's, it's a myth that you want to believe in because, I mean, I guess the idea of it is happy. But it, it is such a it is such a weird thing. And if Christmas, you know, there's always and I don't want to get too much into the religious versus secular argument of Christmas. But but that's always that's the thing we hear people like fighting over more often. There's the war on Christmas. Ha ha ha. That, you know, like Fox says and you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, or in bullshit like that. I mean, but like there's the idea of, you know, Christmas is everywhere. And, you know, I'm sure we have plenty of Jewish listeners. And and other religions who are like, there's no war on Christmas. I can't walk down the street without Christmas being thrown yeah. in the face. And, the, and the, but like, but Christmas is at this point such a, you know, no matter how much people who are sort of devoutly Christian into the idea of Christmas, the Christian holiday, which was stolen from the pagans anyway. But, um, but the idea of that holiday, it is very much a secular holiday at this point. It is a holiday that's about gift giving. And I think Wayne was well, right to connect sec- Santa to that. It's secular in the sense that it, it's mm-hmm. like pervaded the culture, but like it's always, it still has remnant. I, I want to emphasize it still has remnants of like the religious mythical history. Oh, sure, sure. But, yeah. I, but I mean, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when, yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, I mean, obviously every any holiday where there's a church service is going to have a religious element to it and even without the obvious christian you know like how much christianity puts into christmas because it's the you know because of what it what it is 
But I mean, most of what we are celebrating as a country for the United States, and I think for most other countries, is sort of an idea that's not about a specific religion anymore. You know, we've all just sort of decided that sometime in December-ish is the time that we give presents to each other. And those presents mostly are financially based, you know, for the for uh, for the grand portion of the world that celebrates Christmas. You know, there are people who are like, you know, into Kwanzaa and they're going to, you know, it's all about celebrating the handmade gifts. And then you have people who just who just like delight in giving handmade presents to each other. But it's the biggest shopping season of the year for a reason, right? Like it, Christmas is about capitalism in a very r- real way, more than anything else on the planet, I'd say. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Santa's a symbol of that, right? Because Santa is the Santa is the guy who, you know, breaks into your house and gives you shit, right? Like he well, gives he, all these toys to, ki- to kids. Or, or is Santa redistributing the wealth? Well, Santa's a social so is Santa a socialist, you know, Robin Hood hero, except for he's not because it's not he's not redistributing. And if you actually and this is always one of the problems with Santa, like Santa clearly loves rich kids better than he loves. Right. I mean, yeah, that, that's oh. the thing. I mean, like the myth of Santa is very nice, but the actual. Yeah, because like practice. And, I, and, and I've seen people like there's um, and I, if I can find it, I'll link this article in the show notes. There's an article about how um, it is your moral duty as a rich person to make sure that Santa just gives mediocre presents and that the expensive presents come from the parents because yeah. you don't want kids to think that you don't want other people's kids to think that Santa loves your rich kids better. Because yeah, that that was on Facebook a lot yeah. this year. Yeah Santa, yeah, Santa brought me, you know, a brand new computer. Computer. I got a doll. I just got a doll. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it does yeah, seem yeah. weird. It, it does seem weird when that happens. Santa brought me a big screen TV. You know, that was that was uh, that was about parents as much as it was about anything. It was a social mm-hmm. worker who was posting something to Facebook, which I saw yeah. through somebody Snapchatting it and then taking a photograph of their computer screen and reposting to Facebook. I'm fascinated by this whole process, by the way. I just don't. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the idea was that the parents were coming to the social workers in tears saying that their kids were being crushed because their their friends at school or wherever they had, were seeing these people. And so that they, they were asking parents not to not to attribute the big gifts to Santa. And this, I think, gets at the heart of everything. Right. So Santa Claus is sort of a, a filter that allows parents to spoil their children in an acceptable way, you know, every so often. But then you've got that that tie that it does. And this is the this is the really tricky part is that you tie consumption to morality in a way that I think like, you know, Max Weber would have been really excited about to read, <laughs> you know, back at back when he was writing the Prosthenetic and the Spirit of Capitalism and all that stuff. It's 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 just bizarre how it all works out. And I, I think that's what's I think that's what's at the heart of all this thing is is you're rationalizing sort of discipline but also self-esteem and acts it's just so well it, and well and, yeah and it's and it's not just a, a socioeconomic thing there's the whole you know you're a bad kid santa only brought me a doll yeah. because i wasn't as good as the kid down the street so that gets into you know, yeah. developmental self-worth issues and Particularly if the kid down the street is a dick, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. If he's been picking on you all year because he's a rich dick and, and he still gets the big screen TV. Right. And you get an action figure. Yeah. 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 Well, like, yeah. oh, let's not forget, like, um, Dan, you mentioned discipline. Let's not forget Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows yeah. when you're awake. <laughs> oh, yeah. He knows if you're bad or good. And it's just like the perfect example of like what Foucault 
Michel Foucault, which if you don't know who that is, you don't, it doesn't matter. He's a philosopher. Oh my God. Do we need to leak? Are, are, we, are you going to leak? Wait, you're leaking Santos to the, to the panop- Panopticon? This is awesome. I think Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's like an uncommon thing to think about if you know about Foucault's ideas of discipline, which is basically that uh, you, he took the idea of the Panopticon, which is a prison that was never built. But the idea is that prisoners would believe that a guard was watching them all the time and act accordingly. And he said, okay, well, what society has done is taken that idea and put it in the schoolroom, put it in the church, put it in all these institutions. And so we learn to govern our behavior. And that's what Santa teaches us to do. We learn to self-regulate and discipline ourselves and act a particular way, especially the closer you get to Christmas. So Santa doesn't change his mind and take away your toys. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's a, yeah, Santa, I, I'm not, and also Elf on the Shelf is the I was exactly Santa, gonna bring up the Elf on the Shelf. Elf on the Shelf is terrifying. And, and let, let, me, let me say, as I, I'm, I'm a child of an era. Like the oldest Christmas ornament, ornament I own is an Elf on the Shelf. It's old. It's it's falling apart. It's the first thing that goes on the tree every year. I never heard that story of it's there to watch you until the last this resurgence of the Elf on the Shelf thing. It's just like it is. It's my most beloved Christmas ornament because I can't remember it not being on my tree. Yeah, see, I didn't know about but Elf the, on the Shelves until my like my thirties. I didn't. I mean, okay, well, because it, it, it came, it came and went in popularity, but it, it is that. I don't know that we, they even called it that then, but it's that exact design. And we oh, wow. pop him up on the tree first thing to go on the tree every year, and I love that thing because I'm sentimental and I've had it since I was two, and he, he's falling. He, he's like your poo. He's falling apart, and you know, he's just like apart. he's been there forever. <laughs> But never, never once was I, I that whole idea of he's watching you. You better behave. He, he's he's a you know, deep agent for Santa. <laughs> well, the next question you got to ask is, does anyone ever enforce it? Like the, there are these threats made or, or guide, people attempting to guide their children's behavior. And then uh, I always I always survey my classes. You know, did you ever just get coal or did you ever not get presents? And no one ever says that they did. They always got yeah. presents, but then they'll have like an uncle who didn't get presents one year, but they're not sure of all the details. So this is something that, that I plan to figure out through field work, like how many people have had this enforced. Yeah. Okay, well, if you, if you want to know, if you want to know, one year I found the presents oh. and I was a dick and I spoiled <laughs> them all for my sister. So what they did was they, they still gave me my presents and they still gave her hers, but they bought her double. Also, if you want my, if you want my, like, uh, I don't know, anecdotal evidence, my parents didn't give us expensive presents from Santa most of the time. They took claim for those. I think partially because they were super frugal most of the time. And uh, I still remember my freshman year of high school, I asked for an iPod video and I didn't expect to get one because it was just so expensive compared to anything I'd ever gotten before. And then I opened my present and it looked like a shoe box. And I thought, oh God, new shoes. I hate new shoes. I didn't and, know about the cat that was going to eat you for, for, for saying that. Uh, I don't live in Iceland. I'm fine. And, <laughs> and I opened it up and there was an iPod video. Oh, and wow. it was like, it was the biggest surprise I'd ever had in my entire life. Because I just never believed that that would be a thing I would get. Which, you know, 
other people like it, uh, and was other, that from santa or was that from your parents no no that's from my parents was it labeled santa or was it labeled by oh, it, was lab- it was labeled from my parents because santa never wraps his gifts at my house they're just there so i sneak into the living room around oh. three four in the morning every year check out what i got go back to bed wait to like open up or what else <laughs> And again, no she's talking about like, like, she she means like now. Yeah, yeah. no, this has been happening for like twenty years. Yeah, I don't sleep on Christmas Eve, and now everybody in the world now knows what my family has known for many years, and they're embarrassed by me, which is probably why they don't listen to the show. <laughs> well, so I, I I have a friend, uh, you know, former coworker of mine. Um, he um, he had a kid. This is when I was working. This is a, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when I was working there. So his kid's probably an adult now. But um, but his kid was at the time four, maybe five or something like that. And he's like, well, what are you get, what are you getting um, your son for for Christmas? And everybody's talking about what they're getting. He's like, yeah, I got him a PlayStation. And and one of the other coworkers is, oh, he's going to be so happy with Santa. And my friend's like, no. And he's like, what? He's like, and he's like, my kid doesn't believe in Santa Claus. And, you don't let your, your your kid believe in Santa Claus? How dare you? You're ruining the magic of Christmas. And TJ, my friend, said, are you kidding? That that PlayStation was $400. I worked my ass off here so that I could afford that PlayStation. He is not going to think it came for free from some magical fat man. That's for me. <laughs> and, that's, and he absolutely, he was, like, and he was positive. He was absolutely serious about it. He's like, no, he understands that I work really hard for a living. So that, you know, daddy works so that we can have a PlayStation. That's what the, that is what mm. he wants his child to believe. And I'm like, I, I can't fault that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's like, he, he doesn't he doesn't want his kid to believe in magic. He doesn't want his kid to believe that you can just be good and be rewarded for something. And that's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a cold life lesson to give a four year old. But I guess, you know, sometimes <laughs> the bad guys win. Is... <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, um. I guess. Well, I wanted to, you know, before before we we wrap up, I wanted to make sure we talked about some of the. I mean, you mentioned Krampus briefly, but that's a that's a different individual. He's Santa like, but he's not exactly Santa. But I was thinking about, you know, we we mentioned like Bad Santa, the movie. There are there is certainly a pop culture thing that happens these days where we sort of we are very fascinated with the negative idea of Santa. Uh, Santa Claus is a mean person. I I, I don't think I talked much about it, but yeah, but I was thinking um, one one of my favorites, a comic book character that I don't particularly like all that much, except for I love this book, Lobo's paramilitary Christmas special, (laughs) which, (laughs) which is a comic book from the 1995. Yeah. The latest. Yeah. And it's a, it's a comic book where the Easter bunny gets tired of Santa Claus being a dick. So he hires the assassin (laughs) Lobo to kill him. And (laughs) that's the premise. And then it's 30 pages of Lobo and Santa fighting each other to the death. Yeah. That's the book. I I read that book in the Library of Congress. They they decided they needed that one (laughs) preserved for posterity forever. So I went there to do some research and they brought that out to me (laughs) without me asking. They were so excited that I was. I wanted to read Santa comics, just a giant stack with that right on. That's top. fantastic. Great. Some guys just like, oh my God, I get to, I get to get it. I get to get it. And, and you know, there's just like six librarians sitting behind glass, just like watching to see your reaction. What's he going to do? Oh, yeah. What's he gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I scanned that. I got it. <laughs> so yeah. Amazing. So why, but why the, neg- why the negative, why the negative versions of, of Santa? Like, I mean, is it just us 
like Wayne said, mistrusting capitalism in 2019 to that or 1995, whenever that book came out, you know, oh, what a great question. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. Uh, well, in the late 90s, things weren't that bad economically. right? The bubble Not hadn't yet. burst yet. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, but you, you, you do have the fallout from from 86 with all the, the grim and gritty stuff Lobo himself right? yeah. so mm-hmm. that's probably part of it yeah they, I, I they were allowed to tell that story right I, and I do think just culturally there is the, the sentimentality thing people are uncomfortable with it people don't like to admit to to feeling the warm fuzzy things with this there's a certain resistance to the holiday spirit because uh, you know, it, it's not cool to mm. believe in Santa and, and so you know and we handle that by killing it or it's not even just killing it because you know, bad Santa is, you know, what if Santa likes to drink heavily and, you know, fuck. <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the movie, you know, yeah. or, or even even the one that Hannah and I were talking about earlier. What's the Kurt Russell one called, Hannah? Christmas um, Chronicles. Yeah. And even that one, you know, he's not really bad. He's just, you know, it's I mean, it's this deconstruction of Santa. What if Santa was just the coolest guy on it? You know, like that's <laughs> like he's being Kurt Russell, right? He's. And he's barely Santa. He's he's mostly just Kurt Russell, you know, like Kurt Russelling around. So is that I wonder like, if it's dude, like a lack of identity? I, I always think these things that are so popular reflect something specific. And when it's when it's solid, when it doesn't change for a long time, it reflects that uh, consistency. And so when you've got something that's changing so rapidly, like Santa Claus, you've got brand new, you know, kids books that are all positive about Santa. And then you've got this deconstruction on on a movie that's not for kids. And, and, and I feel like that culture itself is trying to figure itself out. So we're talking about American culture here. What's what does that even mean anymore? Can we be one culture with postmodernism and the internet fracturing everything? And that might that might be what's going on there. I don't know. I'm not sure. Of course. I mean, we certainly like. Of course, there there's you know a lot of arguments that America's never had a solid, stable culture, and anyone who does is invested in something that just isn't there. But I think that actually, particularly since the past election, uh, people who didn't even recognize there were fractures before and were in the most confined bubble spaces, like are seeing more and more fractures to the point where like they can't see anything in common with their neighbors or the people on Facebook or what have you. Good, which I don't, I don't know if it has anything to do with this precisely, but also like, you know, media, uh, I mean, for all like the badness of having so many streaming services and so many channels, more content creators, even if it's not where we hope it would be, have been given more space to try things out, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's there's you know, a cynicism that presents itself in all media from mm-hmm. certain sources. And it's, I mean, there are things that are easy to attack if you are a cynical creator. Um, you know, doing an anti-religious, anti-Jesus thing is sure to raise hackles, no matter what the content is, no matter how well it's done. It gets reaction. It's poking the bear. And doing well, the same thing with Santa and Christmas has much the same mm-hmm. reaction. People just get, oh, you know, it, it's Santa is a sacred cow. And, and people get upset if you do something against that. So it becomes it provides an easy target for iconoclasm. Yeah. 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 And well, is there just room to for be it fair, now, though? Oh, no, no. I mean, to be fair, like, and I'll say this again uh, about sentimentality. People have always pushed back against really sentimental stuff. Oscar Wilde yeah. has been credited with saying when he read uh, Dickens's like the old curiosity shop, when an old, like a little Nell died, I laughed so hard. I cried or something like that. Um, like, or who, who has a, I think it's like, actually, no, it's who has like such a cold heart 
that they didn't like, you know, cry tears of laughter at Little Nil. Um, and lots of people gave bad reviews to Dickens in his day for being overly sentimental. And people in the early 20th century didn't like Dickens because he was overly sentimental and cared too much about the fellow man stuff. So it's not like we suddenly have become cynical. And also we have also not become yeah. cynical because we still watch those like lifetime Hallmark movies. Right. There's Netflix 500 movies. of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of us did. Well, and that's what I was thinking. Like maybe it's the, you know, you said there's, there's so much content now. They're always were cynical people. It's just that once upon a time, there were only three networks and they yeah. were, and they get yeah. kept and you know, like why was Santa not, why was Santa always real on television? Well, because there were only, you know, there were three networks, you know, you had a week of Christmas programming, 21 hours per year of Christmas programming. That was it, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's what you got, you know, that's, that's yeah. the stories that you, that you told. And, you know, you told them in a, in a kid friendly way. And now we've got television that's got, you know, you can have thousands of hours of Christmas, especially since it starts sometime you, in October, you know, YouTube. And, yeah. And, everybody, and, great. Yeah, and and you know you can have you can give a voice to the negative visions of Santa, I guess. Yeah. So we resolve nothing, but maybe we will on the episode about sentimentality. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe we did last week. I'm, I'm yeah. still not sure. <laughs> maybe we resolve that. I guess uh, we'll never, always, uh, probably not ever resolve nothing. If we had access <laughs> to Santa's right. sleigh, we could get to wherever we needed to go. <laughs> and it's going to be really confusing if there was actually a week in between these shows, but I, I don't think there. Is. I don't know. It's no. Pod, there's not podcast time travel. I can't do it. There's yeah. not. There is not a week. I've planned okay. it out okay, <laughs> she made a list she checked it twice i actually literally did check it today to make sure we hadn't missed something oh my god that's how she knows i just realized yeah. that santa that santa claus is hannah yeah <laughs> hannah claus and, she, and, and, it, and, it, and it and it always was <laughs> oh, Alrighty then. So, Dan, thanks for joining us. This was yeah, fun. thanks, Dan. That was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I had a blast doing this with you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Anything you want to plug? So, where, where can people find your work or find more about you? Oh well, um, I guess about six weeks ago, my book Superman and Myth and Folklore came out in paperback, so it's portable now. Oh, nice. Awesome price for libraries. So that that's, that's a good one. <laughs> academic publishing yeah we we will yeah. link to that in the show notes yeah. of course oh thanks and you yeah know, hopefully and I, when you when you're close to publishing the santa claus project we will actually have you back yeah. i'll let you know yeah no that great. superman book is something i would definitely want to read as well <laughs> uh so that, well, if good, to is good he'll get it for christmas that's it yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I'm going to have to buy that for Marcel, aren't I? We can't let him listen to this episode. <laughs> I, my, my roommate, who's the biggest Superman fan in the world. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah. now I know what I'm oh, getting him. Great. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't tell anybody. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, let's go, Hannah. Hannah, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers, though I have to admit that I've had typos in a lot of my tweets because I've been super tired from writing the dissertation. So. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Does Santa penalize you for typos? I don't think that's naughty. I think, I think, I think my dissertation advisor might penalize me for typos. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Wayne. Uh, mostly on my couch the last couple of weeks. So. <laughs> not going to appear at Coffins this year? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not, not doing Coffins this year. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> 
My th- there was there was a picture of me as Santa that hung on my godchildren's refrigerator for years, and they never figured out it was me. <laughs> they were they were like eighteen. They were like eighteen before I told them it was brilliant. <laughs> is, it, is it like is it like, is it was it just a picture? Or was it like you with them? With no, them no, it, it was just it was just a picture of me as Santa. Uh, I, I tell that whole story on my blog, which we'll okay. link to in this. Uh, it's it's adorable. I just don't want to take another ten minutes of the show for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be linked in the show notes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vox Popcast or on Facebook on Instagram, both of those at Vox Popcast or on the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com, where you will find out about what we're talking about next week or in the next few weeks. I don't know. Again, podcast or last, travel, week, don't or worry, last week. I don't know. But you can comment on our upcoming shows and give us thoughts and ideas. You can let us know what you think about this show and, you know, previous shows. You know, we're always looking to see, uh, see what the feedback is. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or where the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Or iTunes, I, keep, I don't know. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called this week. Leave us a five-star review. Helps other people find the show, especially if you write a review for us. Plus, it just makes us feel good. And it's Christmas, and that's all we want. Yeah, see, see, that's the worst Usually I have something dreary to say. That's an uplifting Christmas message. Write us a review for Christmas. Thank you. Um, I would like to thank Maximilian of Bought for Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Dan for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Uh-huh. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 